Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Full Impact, where we'll be covering episode five of Neon Genesis Evangelion, Ray Beyond the Heart, or Ray One. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, president of the Cersei Lannister Deserved a Better Death Club, Allison. Amazing. Hey, guys. Yes, that's me, Allison, and 100% true statement. (laughs) That was a good one. Thanks. I, I, that's why I spend most of my homework for the podcast is just thinking of what to call you for the introduction. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I, I don't know about our listeners, but I know that I look forward to it every week. Good. I'm glad I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is a big one. This is a huge one. Yes. So just to jump right into it, we start off, uh, we're doing an activation test of Unit Zero with Ray. Um, And it notes that this test is going on 22 days ago, um, but we don't know what the date of, you know, we don't know from what date ago, 22 ago it was. There's no reference point. Yeah. Right. Yep. But it can be, I think, assumed that it was pretty, like, soon, right before Shinji arrived, just about. Right. And and like I've mentioned in the past, uh, this show loves a good flashback. And I think one of the things that immediately caught my attention was uh, gloves without the gloves. Like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> so it had to be, pre- this has to be somewhere in in the past so i that was kind of my whole thing no no shades no gloves yeah we jumped right into it yep (laughs) free balling it (laughs) so which leads us to believe that we're gonna find out why gloves is gloves it's true and he doesn't have the same like shiny reflective glasses you can actually see his eyes in this one yep Yep, I think that's by design. Yes. Probably a lot behind those eyes. Probably. So everything seems to be going normal with this test. They're like reaching the like borderline threshold and they can't make it. And the Ava starts going berserk. And they love using that word. <laughs> this they is sure the second do. time we've heard berserk now, which means <laughs> this level of severity. Yeah, and it has this like the same like animal like grunting noise, you know. Yeah, like that primal. Yeah, like not noise. a noise that you'd think a robot would make. You know, it's not like beep boop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like R two D two. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it breaks free from the restraints and it starts grabbing its head, almost like it's in pain. At least that's the impression I got. Yes, yes. I got the same feeling from that, yes, that, that there was something going on. And it was kind of like, almost like he was, like, disoriented. Yeah, like, almost like in movies or shows when, like, someone's, like, brainwashing someone and they're like, get out of my head. That's yes. Like, kinda. Yeah. <laughs> like that part in Indiana Jones <laughs> where they, like, get him to drink the blood and he's, like, really trying to fight it and fight it, but then he finally can't. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very similar. So um, after that, uh, Unit Zero ejects Ray out of the plug after it's 
pummels the glass that uh, you know all the scientists and Gendo and Ritsuka are in. Now, uh, let me ask you this at this point. Uh, do you think that was deliberate? Because it seemed to know, like, it it was going right after Gendo, like, middle of that glass. Like, it could have hit any wall in that place, but it went right after that. Do you think it, that was a, a deliberate move? It definitely seems deliberate. Um, I mean, you would think that Gendo is the target there, since he's at right. the forefront. And right. he's just, you know, he's like... It's like a statue, you know, he's like unfazed by this giant fist breaking through the glass. Right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, there, I mean, there's also Ritsuko there, but and the lesser known people. And yeah, so, I mean, they could also be targets, but I guess from where we are right now, I think we would assume that he was going after uh, Gendo. Yeah. It just seemed like a very can't. deliberate. Yeah. It just seemed like a very <laughs> deliberate action. Yeah. For sure. And when Ray does get ejected, we get like the first little nugget of emotion from Kendo Mm -hmm. in the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, He screams out, no, like, no. (laughs) Yes, that was actually something that I'd written down in my notes. It's like this is the first time we've really gotten a, a real response from Gloves. Like he's been pretty subdued or like eerily happy about things up until this point. Like He's just like. You know, but yeah, his reaction is very jarring. Like, why all of a sudden is he so concerned? Yeah. And so they use the Bakelite, which is like that red liquid that then like hardens and stuff mm-hmm. to stop it. And then we see Gendo. That's right. Gendo gloves, a.k.a. hands <laughs> run out to try and save Ray himself. And he burns his hands doing so. So mystery of the glove solved that he he got it saving Ray, which is something you wouldn't think that you would hear us saying about gloves because he's he's been kind of vile. Yeah, <laughs> so far. And and so it, for him to be saving her, obviously, he has some sort of connection to her. Now, while he's burning his hands to release the hatch to save Ray, uh, it, we do a. There's a quick little shot that shows Ritsuko looking down on him, mm-hmm. and she looks <sighs> concerned. And given what we've seen of Ritsuko so far, she's been pretty unconcerned with the pilots and their welfare. I'd say. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my question here is: Do you think that she's concerned for Ray's safety, or maybe concerned? Or taken aback in some form about the level of emotion that Gendo is displaying to save oh, Ray. Oh, I think it's the latter for sure. I think that she, her 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 reaction is less about what happens to Ray and more about Gendo's reaction to the whole situation. That I I think it's a, a surprise to everybody. It seems like, or at least to all of, of us as viewers, like he's never been this vested in anything. I mean, I go back a couple episodes when he like sees Shinji, you know, on the elevator, and he just he says nothing to him. And this is after like the battle and stuff and like there was just nothing and now here we are in, in, a, in a simulation right because this wasn't even a real battle this was just like a simulation test right it's like an activation test to see if you can like sync well enough with the Ava to um, pilot it 
Right, but there's no eminent threat of an angel like there was in Shinji's situation. So, no. so I mean, it's it's a contained environment, and and still he gets very very concerned, and I think that's more what she's reacting to because I think her 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 stance on on the the Ava pilots is that they're just pieces of a puzzle. They're they're they don't seem very significant to her. So I think it's it's way more her reaction to Gendo's reaction. Yeah, definitely. Man, I'm glad that we stand on the same same stance here. Same brainwave. Uh, so he opens up the hatchet, and again, with emotion, you know, we get the, Ray, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> that Christian male Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think if if Christian Bale grew out the chin strap, he could play a good a good Gendo. <laughs> I could definitely see that for sure. I would. That's great casting right there. Dan, if they, hopefully they never do. But if they ever do a live action, live action, I'm, cast, I'm casting Christian Bale as Gendo. <laughs> We're putting it on the record right here on the pod. So we end the scene with a shot of Gendo's glasses melting and then. Uh, the breaking, and then we get the title card, which is you know quite quite the intro to this episode. Yep. Um, and given what we've seen, we can assume that this is the same scene that Gendo and Rizko visit in the future when they're talking about Ray's recovery. Correct, because remember we do see like an Ava frozen with its fist through the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and we see the this like big like metal cross sticking out of where the entry plug would have gone mm-hmm. or would go. Um, and, after and, the- yeah, and now we start to get a barrage of information about the previously very uh, <laughs> mysterious Ray. We're we're going to get thrown a lot of information very quickly. Yep, Ray one. This is this episode and next episode are Ray expose. <laughs> uh, nice <laughs> wordplay. So as they're the next scene is them. I'm not sure. Like breaking it out of the Bakelite, maybe I'm not sure. Um, but they're talking about Ray. You know how she's. The first children chosen by the Marduk Institute, and she's the designated operator of Evangelion Experimental Prototype Unit Zero. Not even just regular prototype, experiment. <laughs> right. So we uh, really don't know what's going to happen type of thing. <laughs> no. She was the first of the first here. Yep. Um, and they start talking about why they think that the activation test failed and their leading hypothesis is that it was due to unstable pilot mental state. Mm-hmm. Which is very curious considering how stone-faced and robotic-like Ray is. Correct. You don't think of her having really any emotions. Right. Or, yeah. But I guess uh, this goes to show you that, and it's symbolic of that there could be a lot more going on under the surface of anybody that that we don't really know. And now we're going to find out what what's under Ray's surface, and maybe all of those things that she doesn't show in her life come to life in the Ava. And I think that's kind of where we're headed here, because uh, she's she's been emotionless 
really. And and kind of uh, uh, mostly because she's been injured and, and hasn't really had the capacity, I don't think, to, to really talk about much. But um, we're, we're getting her whole backstory now. So, yeah, it's 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 getting interesting. Yeah. I mean, considering you th- this episode obviously focuses heavily around Ray, but when we leave it, we still have like a plethora of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Ritsuko, as, as me said, when Ritsuko are talking, um, Ritsuko is like talking about why she thinks that Ray might be mentally unstable. And she like says that she has an idea, but then she's like, never mind or something mm-hmm. like that. And I'm wondering what was she thinking? She knows something we don't know. She definitely knows something we don't know. She knows a lot more than we don't know, I think. Um, And she's very detached from a lot of other things, but she seems really attached to this situation. Why? You know, Um, I think they all are. They all seem to be more vested in Ray than in Shinji. Uh, We don't know if it's maybe because of the time that's elapsed that she's been there. We don't really know, but it just seems like she's more protected by this organization, more invested in, in this organization than anybody else. She, she, I would almost consider her number three if we're going numbers right next to Fuyutsuki. Number two? Yeah. Okay. AKA number two. Yeah. Right. Next in line after him. Right. Because essentially without her, there is no pilot. There is no Ava. So she's an important piece of the chain of command. If there's no one to pilot this thing, then they don't, they don't have a chance. So yeah, she should be. Oh, I'm saying Ritsuko is number three. Oh, 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 yeah, I can see that, too. But I mean, I feel like these pilots should be higher in rank than they are, because without them, they don't they have nothing. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like they're just like, despite their importance, they're kind of treated like pawns, you know? Yep. Yep. And Ritsuko and number two and Gendo are just puppet masters pulling strings. Mm hmm. Yeah, and Ritsuko, she seems to work a lot and have a lot of anxiety because think back a couple episodes, you know, we see her in her house and she's working and, you know, (laughs) smoking furiously. Um, So she's obviously very invested in this project and and where it's going and who's involved. So, yeah, I think she knows way more than she's letting on, or at least that we can, that we know. She definitely let something slip there and then she kind of held back. Yeah, she's she's got some secrets, for sure. Totes. Something that she can't tell her best buddy, Misato. <laughs> do you think they're best buddies, or do you think she just tolerates Misato? I think that Misato is the closest thing that Risco has to a real friend. Ah, that's fair enough. They spend and, the most time together. Yeah, that's true. And they're like, not... Nah, I wouldn't say they're they're not equal in terms of their positions, but they're you know operate very closely together. Yeah. yeah. So next up, we have we're at the site where Unit One fought the last Angel Shamshell, and we can see the giant chalk outline of where Shinji fell into the mountain, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, like who took the time to, to draw that out and for what purpose? <laughs> And how many people did it take to draw out that line? Like right I know. Now? Can you imagine like the paint store getting that order in? <laughs> <laughs> like I just imagine that scene in, in Spaceballs where they have the giant combs and they're combing the <laughs> desert. Like they have these giant magic markers or pieces of chalk that they're draw- that they're drawing this thing with. <laughs> oh, that was funny. 
Yeah, so. So then we're like within whatever building they're in where they're like examining uh, Shamshell because unlike uh, Satchiel, the first angel, or technically the third angel, the first angel we saw, this one did not explode, so it's still intact. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I think I've ever seen Rizko seem genuinely happy is when she's talking about how great this specimen is. <laughs> yeah. That's a sign of a true scientist, but that's really all that gets her mojo going. Like she doesn't really have time for people or relationships or emotions. She's she's work 100 percent. And a lot of a lot of people in that field are, you know, and, and especially with with this, which seems like very like specific technology and, and information and keys to a lot of things. Uh, it's, it's worth getting excited about. Yeah, I agree. She is top scientist. <laughs> yep. Uh, so after that, they're sitting at these like old school computers, you know, which is funny, mm-hmm. like since it's supposed to be 2015, but they still have the like, they look like old Mac computers, you know, like the classic yeah. ones that used to have the floppy disk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And they're uh, examining the angel core, which they reveal is the source of an angel's power or its mm-hmm. power source. So that's good. Good spot to stab if you're trying to kill it. Yep. Um, like and like the heart. Yeah, like the heart or like the battery, I guess of it. Um, and she's talking about they have like a analysis failure or something. Like her test didn't go quite ex- the way she wanted, but she talks about how the matter that the angels made up of displays similar patterns and that it's like it's similar to both particles and waves just like light are mm-hmm. and that the sequencing of the angels even though they're made of a uh, different material than us it's 99.89 percent like the same like a match for humans twist is, yeah we're like for what? sure Yeah, and I mean, we're not talking like 50% chance here. We're talking like 99.8. So we're fairly certain based on these tests that that it's close to human, which makes kind of your brain say, hang on a second, because obviously they don't look human or what we would imagine a human to look like. But this is what the tests are saying. So Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they say, you know, obviously, even though they're made up, not made up of something different. Their sequencing and what everything is 99.89 uh, match or percent match, which just for reference, um, and I got this from American Museum of National History dot org. Uh, comparative to humans, uh, chimps are 98.8 percent the same. So they're wow. even more closely related <laughs> to us than chimps are. Yet again, this is this is where you come for the deep, deep information. I dig it. So, yeah. What? Weird. <laughs> it's like your yeah. other cousin. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, the one that they make you invite to your birthday party. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, one thing I. I like about the scene or like the setting is that it seems like, I mean, Shinji's there for this whole thing, but he's like, he looks like he's on like a take your child to work day type thing. 
Yeah. He's just like going along and he's like the only one with a hard hat on. I was just going to mention that. Like he's the only one with a hard hat. Like they don't mind putting this 14 year old kid in this war machine. But when he's in the lab, he's got to wear a helmet. That seems a little (laughs) imbalanced, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then just like, you know, a classic child, Shinji gets distracted and he starts uh, overwatching what's going on with Gendo and Fuyutsuki, a.k.a. Gloves and number two. And they're examining firsthand the larger portion of the core that they had recovered. Mm-hmm. And Shinji notices then that Gendo's hands are burned and he's like, hmm, what's that about? Yep. Um, and Misato and Risco kind of egg him on to like, you know, be honest with them about what's on his mind there, just like a mother would. Mm-hmm. Um, and Risco tells us exactly how Gendo got those burns. Um, and I'm wondering, do you think there's anything to? Ritsuko's reasoning for telling Shinji why he got them or how he got them. Because she very could have just as easily lied and said that she didn't know. That's a fair point. Uh, I don't know that it's supposed to be a secret as to how it happened, although we don't know that. Um, But there might be a part of her that's just like just that kind of pragmatic tell the truth. This is what happened. Facts is facts type of thing. That's true. You know, but um, I don't I don't know. I I don't know. She seems like a tough, tough not to crack as far as like what her agenda is right now. She seems to dismiss these kids and have a have a more uh, vested interest in the project. So I, I, I just I just don't know what her motivation is at this point. So I'm guessing that the only reason she said it was because it was what was true and what, you know, why lie to the kid? And it, I don't think it was supposed to be any kind of trade secret or, you know, <laughs> redacted in any, you know, transcripts or anything. At least you don't get that impression. Um, but I don't know that there's any intent behind her telling him. Do you? I don't think that it's, in generally speaking, supposed to be a secret of any kind. But given what they know of Shinji and Gendo's relationship, I feel like revealing that information to him could have a negative effect. Since, you know, we have Gendo showing absolutely no emotion or affection towards its own son and yet risking his own health and safety to save this other girl. Mm hmm. But what would be, I guess, what is her end game of telling him that? Is it like to like put a competitive fire in him? Is it to like, I don't know what her motivation, you like what she would gain? I, I, I 100% agree with you. And I think that I don't know that she has one. Yeah. I, I'm I just think I just think that if she hadn't told him, then she could have spared his feelings a little bit. I don't think she has any reasoning or motivation or like alternative motive or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Could just be that she just wanted to tell him the truth. Yeah, maybe she just likes to ruin, you know, children's <laughs> emotions and mental state. <laughs> just tear them down. She's what we call a puppy crusher. <laughs> yeah, so your dad saved this girl who we don't know anything about her, but he's he saved her. Um, he doesn't love you, you piece of trash. But... <laughs> uh, but go jump in that thing and kill the rest of these angels for us, would you? Yeah. <laughs> 
So then we switch up, um, and we're at the pool now, the school pool, which to me, I mean, there's a lot of kids here, and it looks like there's more kids here than there are in their class, which gives me the impression that it is like a regular school. It's not just their class that's there. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And they have the boys and girls separated. Mm-hmm. Like all the girls are at the pool. All the boys are on the basketball court, I think it was, right? Yeah. Which is like, I want to swim. What the heck? I have to play <laughs> basketball the entire time? Can we like switch or something? Yeah, I'm sure that's what they do is they switch off. Although the girls probably go do something other than basketball. <laughs> but... And we just get some like childish, you know, middle school banter between opposite sexes, you know, and Suzuhara, or aka Toji, and Kensuke, aka Glasses. Um, they start giving Shinji crap because he's staring at Ray, and I love how they end up on her calves. Her calves, <laughs> I know. I don't think in my life, and not only just calves, but the word supple, supple. <laughs> Yeah, like I've never heard that as a descriptive term to describe a woman before ever. Like that's the first time ever. <laughs> I suppose there could be worse things. Yeah, it's just funny that her supple calves. <laughs> uh, one one thing I will note about uh, these couple scenes, especially in the beginning, before they start kind of giving him a hard time, like it's just that aloneness thing again. You know, Ray's kind of just sitting there while all the rest of the girls are participating and Shinji's just kind of out by himself staring at her. So they have a similarity, it seems, in in that they feel they both feel like outcasts um, in their respective groups and they don't really talk much. They don't really express much. You know, the other kids, the other boys are showing, you know, they're outwardly (laughs) talking about, you know, the, the other women on the on the. Uh, in the pool, but Shinji isn't, you know, kind of your, your typical male response, and so they kind of give him a hard time for that. But I think it's also going back to again showing that the, that they have a similarity and that they're very used to being alone or outside of of the group. Yeah, for sure. And they also tell us that Ray's been in the school for a year, mm-hmm. and they also they know that she's a pilot too, which. Again, we, we saw how the class reacted to Shinji when they found out that Shinji was a new pilot. And it's just crazy the difference in terms of responses between Shinji's uh, revealing and, and Ray's. Right. Like all the girls started to swoon over Shinji when they found out that, you know, he was the pilot and everybody got all excited about it and stopped listening to a very important lecture being given by their teacher. (laughs) And it was almost like he was kind of a hero and revered by these kids. And then meanwhile, she's, you know, an outcast. But then again, maybe she's chosen that, you know, maybe they tried and she just she just wasn't feeling it that you know and they 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 did kind of look up to her but she didn't welcome it you know or or at least give no reaction like shinji did well i guess he kind of reveled in it a little bit yeah i mean she just probably didn't give him the light of day you know Mm -hmm. doesn't talk doesn't seek out anybody right 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 so yeah just something to note but as Shinji's running on the track with his buddies, he has this sort of like, we get like a little flashback type thing. At least I think it's a flashback of Shinji sitting in the cockpit of Unit 1 and he's watching uh, Ray and Gendo talk to each other because they're over by 
unit one and like right just like hops out of the cockpit like a bunny and like down to the <laughs> like the like landing pad and gendo smiling and ray smiling and they're talking and the emotion the thoughts that come to my mind is like um wtf <laughs> yeah <laughs> why is everybody totally. so goddamn happy right now Right. I would feel the same way. I'm like, hey, nobody seemed to be, you know, cheering me on or, you know, wish me farewell because it obviously looks like a, a amicable conversation. It's not like they're yelling at each other or, you know, it, it seems like they're genuinely interested. And, you know, we, it, they made a big point of showing Gendo like up on his in his, you know, like roped off area up top, like hovering over Shinji during this whole thing. So it's a very, very different situation than what he was in. And, and he reacts to it, I think. He definitely yeah. has a WTF moment. I mean, he's just watching this. I mean, Gendo's talked to him, what, like all of two times <laughs> since we started Barely. the show? <laughs> yeah, barely. And it was only business talk. This looks like friendly, casual talk. But Right, see, and it's... <laughs> And it's also the first time we see Ray like openly approaching anyone, you know? I mean, she kind of like frolics down from, <laughs> from the from her plug and like, you know, is seems genuinely happy to see him whereas, you know, most of the time she's just like all emoed out. So, you know, that's that's also a little bit shocking. Yeah. So the question that gets starts to stir here is what is the relationship between Ray and Gendo? Yes, it's obviously a close it's clearly point. special. Yes. Yes. Because yeah. yeah. Gendo obviously doesn't seem to give a flying shit about anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Not even his own child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So it, it has to be a very strong bond or a very strong connection for him to be reacting the way that he is. Because it seems to be very out of character. For sure. Uh, following that, we are at Misato's apartment with Shinji and Ritsuko, and they're having like a little little dinner party here. And every time they're in the apartment, that '80s sitcom music comes out. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> I love That's, it. That's uh, Misato's theme. That's what it, that song's called. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. It just—it's like their little domestic life now. You know, like they're—they're kind of a little little uh, patchwork family. Yeah, and they're eating. So it's it's Misato's creation here. She's adding curry to instant ramen, mm. and she's not getting very good reviews about it. But yeah, their faces are funny, <laughs> or the animation that shows like, oh, gross. <laughs> but this, when we get to end of the I think this is the meal that we should uh, replicate. I agree. That's a good one. Celebration. Curry ramen. Curry ramen. I'm 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 interested. I hope it's good. Yeah. Have to uh, test test kitchen it. Yeah. Another thing to note is that uh Ritsuko doesn't have any lipstick on when she's here. Ooh, very good pickup. I did not even notice that. You think that's significant how? She so far what we've seen always has lipstick on. Mm-hmm. And we usually see her at work, but when she's at work, she's got lipstick on. Um, and I don't know if it's just like something for her or maybe for someone else. But ah, interesting, interesting. It's a very good pickup, or like it's just her personal time, and she yeah. doesn't, doesn't feel like it. But that's also a, that's that's a very good pickup. I did not notice that, but you could have something there, especially considering her reaction to the whole uh, Gendo Ray accident. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something a brewing. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Shower thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're eating the curry ramen, and they even give Pen Pen some, and he's straight up just not having it. Yeah, I love how he has a little beer next to his food dish, too. <laughs> Pen Pen can party. It's my understanding. I don't remember where I'd read this. Probably on Ava Geeks, but I'd have to double check. But I read that uh, hot spring penguins. Well, for one, hot spring penguins don't exist in real life, but they are were due to like what post second impact, you know, with all the like ice melting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was like part of a like a, an experiment, and Misato like took him in afterwards. Ah. So little little pen pen backstory for you. <laughs> little pen pen's a refugee. <laughs> yeah, and like the star of the show. Let's be let's be real here. Oh and my god, even his bowl is labeled pen squared. Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> if I were gonna have any bird, it would definitely be a penguin. Yeah, I love that, his bowl. that penguin. Tough things on this above his eyes. Yep. So then Ritsuko asks Shinji if she if he can deliver uh, Ray's new like ID card because she apparently quote unquote forgot to give it to her earlier, couldn't give it to her earlier. Wink wink. Yeah. And then they start teasing Shinji because he like takes a moment and stares at the ID card. Mm-hmm. Um and we get Ritsuko comments on Ray and Gendo and said that they're awkward at life. Hmm. Which even as if we needed more, we get even more of a sense that Ritsuko knows both Gendo and Ray a lot better than Shinji and Misato do. Yes. Yes, she she definitely seems to allude to that fact. And, you know, nobody seems to question it either. She just kind of says it. And I don't know how much it sinks into them when she's saying it. But, yeah, like, how do you know so much about this girl? <laughs> but nobody yeah. really asks. But, yeah, she's right. I mean, Gendo and Ray do show similarities in their lack of emotion and yep. concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the empathy piece is, is the one that's that's really missing there. Or at least from the outside. Yeah. But, you know, he agrees and he takes the ID over to her place. And, I mean, what a mansion she lives in, you know? Yikes. <laughs> it looks like it's in, like, even just, like, a broken part of town. Like, it just doesn't look like there's anything going on around that area. Yeah, it looks like if you hit one of the buildings, they would all fall over, like dominoes. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's hard to tell because it it's, like, daytime when he goes. But, I mean, you don't see anybody. You don't see any signs of life anywhere. Right. Like, this is just, like, it's like she just picked the, like, most rundown, have been abandoned for 10 years, like, apartment building she could possibly find. Yeah, and it's definitely out of the like out out of where everybody seems to be, and it doesn't seem like a very nice place to live. You know, it's very desolate. Very yeah. Yep. Her mail's been piled up. She clearly just doesn't really care. Like she's not 
you know. The floor is dirty with footprints. Just filthy. And, yeah, and it's clear that she's been taking care of herself, too, because there's, like, bandages everywhere and, like, medication. And, like, so obviously she hasn't been going anywhere to get this thing taken care of. She's been taking care of herself. Yeah, and bloody, too. It's just like, oh, bloody bandage, bloody pillow, bloody bandages over here. Yeah, and she uh, has, like, this, like, yeah, she has, like, this, um, <laughs> like, the, her dirty socks, like, a, a hanging over her bed, which I was like, ew, why would you have them over your bed like that? But, I don't know. She does have a bag next to her, like, cabinet fridge thing that has cans in it. And this is probably just, like, they were just animating stuff. But I'm just, in my head, I'm like, what is she drinking? <laughs> <laughs> what is race drink of choice? And also, she's going to all the tre- like. Like, clearly, she doesn't care about anything else. But she's going to all the trouble to put those cans in a one spot. It seems she cares about recycling. Apparently. <laughs> uh, also, her door was unlocked. Also, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really n- there's nothing personal at all in her entire room, except for two books. And Gendo's glasses. Yep. A couple things about this scene. First, I, I think to myself, okay, well, just because the door was unlocked doesn't really mean that you should just walk in. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you might he might be concerned for her, but he's like creeping, you know, like looking, checking things out. And, you know, it's almost like and then when when you they show it's like a, like a sunbeam is like just glimmering off the glasses. So he sees those immediately. And mm-hmm. yeah. So do you think he knows that they're getting this? Because he doesn't mention they're not. He's not like father's glasses or anything. He just picks them up and puts them on. Um, I don't know. He, I think he knows that they're significant in some way, but I don't think he knows whose they are. But it's obviously. Like and if he doesn't know, why are you putting them on? Yeah, yeah. Same reason that was going to be my next point. Like back to like walking in with an open door. Like again, you don't just go putting stuff, putting people's like jewelry on and stuff when you go to their houses. Like it's just not normal. So yeah, it's a little weird that he does that. Yeah, and so he puts them on and he turns around, and of course we get like the beginning of like a stereotypical cartoon anime scene here where Ray comes out of the shower naked except for the towel around her and she just like looks at him like sup <laughs> <laughs> and she beelines to Shinji to grab the glasses off of his face mm-hmm. and she doesn't say anything she just walks right over there grabs the glasses and you know through a series of unfortunate events his like bag gets caught on her dresser the dresser drawer gets pulled out there's underwear thrown throughout the room and he falls on top of her and I think this is obviously this is like a very well-known scene um, and it's easy to just like be like oh this is fan service type stuff but it's I I mean I can agree but it's I think it's also really important in showing Ray as a character even further in that like in a normal a normal girl, girl, you know, you would fall down. I feel like both of them would be blushing. She'd probably hit him or yell at him or push him off or be embarrassed, you know. Mm-hmm. And she has no emotion. She's just there, sits there for a second, and is just like, "Could you move?" <laughs> like not even not even like imperative, you know, or like a command. Just like a like, would you mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, not embarrassed at all. And then she just starts getting dressed as if nothing happened. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from from a female perspective, yes, you, you're you're correct in that. If that had happened, you know, for me, you would have been scrambling to get that towel. <laughs> you would have been really embarrassed, especially from someone that you you know works and goes to school in the same place as you do. And for her to have like zero reaction seems incredibly strange to me. And yeah, like she's just like, yeah, would you mind getting off me? Like, I I, I think very few women would have the reaction that she had in that situation. I mean, I don't think he had any, any kind of ill intent by any mean it means but and it was obvious that he kind of there was something there with Shinji that yeah. wasn't there with her uh, I don't think as much but yeah there was definitely something there yeah I mean I don't think he intentionally did any of it do I think that he may have enjoyed it slightly sure oh yeah I mean, he's a 14 year old boy of course but and even in the subtitles when she asks him she says could you move please right so yeah, she's like, whatever. It was like, for him, it was something. For her, it was absolutely nothing. It's, it'd be like bumping into someone on the street. Right, right. Yep. Way more impactful for him than for her. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, as she's getting dressed, you know, Shinji continues to, like, show typical emotion that he's, like, super embarrassed. And he's, like, you know, making sure he's looking the other way. And she's just like, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Goes about and business. Like, yeah. And he's kind of like stuttering his way through stuff. Like he can't get it out why he's there. And like she doesn't seem to care one way or the other why he's there. And he's just so nervous. And so, you know, I, clearly, I mean, it's an uncomfortable situation, but he seems to like keep they keep showing his hand. And like, you know, because it, it, I don't know if he's like has this feeling going through him or something, but it's clear that he's been really and he's like sweating. <laughs> Yeah. So it's clear this encounter, and I like to call this scene the encounter, um, <laughs> has has left uh, quite a mark on Shinji. For sure, definitely. But she's cool as a cucumber. You know, yeah. she gently puts Gendo's glasses in a glasses case, and then she ducks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she pieces out. She pulls the old Irish exit. Doesn't even tell him she's leaving. She's like, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, while he's, like, mid-sentence telling her, like, why he came in the first place. Yep, he finally was getting to the point. And, I mean, they're both, from this point, they're both going to the same spot. But they walk an awkward distance apart from each other. They sit an awkward distance apart from each other on the train. And it's not, or the subway. And it's not until her car doesn't work that they interact again. Right, which is funny because she should have known that, like... She would have known that her card wasn't going to work if Shinji would have been able to spit it out from the beginning. But he didn't and had to swipe her in, which goes to show that she wasn't really listening to anything he was saying while he was there. Yeah, and when uh, he does, he's like, oh, you know, Ritsuko asked me to give you this. She just, like, takes it from his hand, like, give me my yep. freaking card, bitch, <laughs> and then leaves yep. again. Thanks for the swipe. Now, peace. Yeah. Gosh, she's <laughs> such a savage. Yeah, she really is. It's a good word. Um, and then now they're standing on the escalator of death. Mm-hmm. It seems like just one straight drop down. Mm-hmm. Just like no support beams, no railings. It's just you either get where you're going or you die. Yep. Hang on tight. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Junji thinks that another go at an interaction with her is a good idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> she asked here. He asked her if she's nervous about the reactivation test because I think that's what she's going for, mm-hmm. and we know how the last one went. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, you're Commander Akari's son, right? Um, and he's like, don't you have faith in your father's work? And he's like, you know, of course not. How could I have faith in a father like him? And she just like 180, stare down, bitch slap. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, how dare you? Wow. Yeah. So it's clear. And it, it, this is this is a point that should be made that faith can be a very powerful thing to people and having faith in a cause, having faith in a person uh, when you when you truly have it and anyone questions it, you're going to defend it. And I think that's what she does. I think now it shows how much faith she has in, in Gendo's organization here and, and her role in it. And she doesn't even his son she, questioning what that that mission or message is. She's not she's not having it and she let him know real quick that that was how she felt Mm -hmm. and this is the only thing we've seen this is the most emotion we've ever seen her display definitely um and it's you know in such a strong manner too um but as she's getting ready she's getting her plug suit on she's looks at his glasses again and she smiles and she uh, we have kind of like a uh, monologue going of I think it's I'm not sure if it's Risco talking I have the subtitles on but it's like talking about when Gendo saved her Mm -hmm. and I just thought of this now but I think that she is totally nervous about this reactivation test but she has faith in Gendo and that's why she seems so calm on the surface Yep. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's, it's, it's clear from her reaction to a challenge to it that she does have complete faith in it. The fact that after how banged up she was, that she's willing to do this again, that, that has, that shows something. And, you know, and be based on their interaction, based on her getting back in there, she has faith that this is going to work. And faith is a powerful thing. Yeah, and I don't know if it's that she is not displaying the emotion of her being nervous uh, willingly, willingly, or if she literally is like doesn't know how to do so. But I think it's there nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. She doesn't outwardly show it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not within her. Because let, let's think back to her last test and the and you know the head grab and the the mention of mental instability. So on the surface, to us, she may seem you know faithful in this, but maybe somewhere in her mind, that <clears throat> that's not the case. We don't know. Yeah. Um. So we get her in the plug suit, and she's sitting there. You know. Stoically, uh, Misato and Shinji are watching from afar, and you know Gendo, Ritsuko, the whole gang, whole gang's there. Watch this reactivation test. <laughs> gang's all here. Mm-hmm. And she brought the glasses with her into the entry plug. Mm-hmm. And you know the activation goes well. It happens. Green light. All is well. Yeah, and it makes you wonder what. It's different between this activation and the last one. If we're going off of the assumption or the hypothesis that the last one failed because of an unstable mental state, you think that it's just literally just what Gendo did, or do you think there's anything else to it? Why it went why it went differently this time as opposed to last time? Yeah. Um, well, 
I, I don't. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Um, I think that maybe she, her faith has grown, and she saw how vested gloves was in her and that kind of solidified her faith in him. So that makes her take the next step forward. Um, uh, and the, the bringing the glasses with her might be like a reminder of that, you know, like he sacrificed his well being for me. So, so in turn, I should reciprocate it by, by being this, this pilot. Um, it, but it's clear that she has some sort of connection to him and, and seems to be her motivation for doing this. So maybe that's it. Maybe the last time, you know, him putting his well-being on the line for her solidified her faith in the whole thing. Yeah. Or maybe last time she was super freaking nervous and couldn't get her nerves under control. And that's why now she has uh, something to hold her down and anchor her so she can, you know, keep a steady head and maybe the the presence of shinji it has something to do with that you know knowing that there's another person that's going through what she's going through um maybe she doesn't know it yet but that could be of some comfort to her too you know she's not the only one that's going through this experience somebody else is is going through it too so maybe she has a little bit more confidence in it maybe so many so many theories yep yep so early on Yep. So we get the shot of her approaching the the borderline, and you know she clears it. Hooray! Yeah, activated it. Good job. And she's just like Roger. <laughs> like I know. <laughs> All I do is win, win, win. <laughs> and then for a brief moment, we get a shot of this like little dot on the horizon, floating in the sky, and. Number two, a.k.a. Fuyutsuki. It's like, unidentified flying object is heading this way. Mm. It's like, oh, it's probably the fifth angel. Like, no big deal. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> automatically what it could be. Oh, yep, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, Fuyutsuki's like, oh, I want to use unit zero. And he's like, ah, it's not combat ready. Throw my, my garbage son in unit one and get him out there. <laughs> Seriously, like that's that was one thing that I wrote down. It's like so he's they just confirmed that Ray, you know, was functional, ready to go, but he's still gonna throw Shinji to the wolves. Like so, obviously he he has something for Ray. There is there is a, a a an attachment there. He's he's protecting her. I feel like because if they assume that it's a fish fifth angel, that's gonna that's a threat, and he's putting Shinji in front of that threat and threat instead of her. Yeah, I mean, he says that Unit Zero is not combat ready, but they in Unit or Episode One, they were ready to put Ray into Unit One, and so I imagine that if they wanted to, they could switch, you know, it over to Ray, considering right, and- she has like over a year's worth of training over on Shinji. Right, and uh, I mean, they put Shinji in there not knowing if he was going to sink with it, you know? I mean, they rolled the dice on him, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I just, the way he throws it back on Shinji seems really shady. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll get more answers to this on the next episode. I'm hoping so. But after the little shot of uh, the angel, we get Ray, she... Or Gendo tells Ray that you know it was a success and that she can like stand down and she leans back, rela- relaxes, and opens her mouth and some bubbles come out. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that she was one 
holding her breath this whole time because she was so nervous or two is relaxing by taking a like a deep breath of the LCL in. Uh, I think she was relaxing, taking a deep breath of the LCL. In. Okay. Uh, I, I think she was kind of relieved because <laughs> um, it goes into this like trippy calming background in the in the back and then she's out. So I think it's just like a sense of relief, maybe uh, like, that she's I did it. Yes. Yes. Like it all went well. It didn't, you know, eject me out of there and I don't have to go in and fight whatever is about to happen. I don't know if she knows that yet, but um, yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's a more kind of mellow transition out. That's just yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. So then we get the shot of this so-called angel, um, which this is the fifth angel. Its name is Ramiel. Um, you know, you're like first angel we saw was like this humanoid monster with like a skull like plague skull looking head second one was vagina worm with tentacles and this one's just a diamond (laughs) yeah yeah just a floating diamond like a prism yeah um and for those of you who are watching the show the first time you may not think this but for anyone who has seen it before i feel like this angel should have shown up later in the series given the design what do you think I, I I definitely agree, and uh, we don't know. And and like it's cool, like it, the lights that come on, and like yes, I and in the power. I think it should have been later on, but that's it's, it's yet to be seen. But I think as far as design wise, um, it's it's up there as one of my favorite angel designs in the show. I think. Yeah, this one's probably definitely my favorite. I think yeah. I, can, I can say it. Yeah. No, and I love the noise it makes. Like. whatever does it for you yeah so they got shinji in unit one misato gives the the word to launch him up and you know our our diamond boy starts heating up like a microwave and freaking annihilate shinji as soon as he pops up (laughs) Yeah, like a blast to the heart immediately. Like no, uh, no time. I mean, he wasn't so much out of the ground, and this thing started just unloading on him. Mm-hmm. And and it seemed like Misato had some sort of inclination about it because she told him to take cover right before, but he didn't even yeah. have enough time to do that. Like it was just well, as he was getting shot up, they're like high energy readings, and Misato's like what. And, you know, it's like the angel knew where he was going to pop up. Like he had like a, almost like a beacon on him. Yeah. And, and he, he, he like went through a building to get to him. Mm-hmm. And like, I love the effects of this blast. It like, like blasts, but also melts the building and then just like tears through the armor on unit one, you know? Yep. It's like a fireball. Yeah, and then Shinji is like, he looks like he's literally, like you took Shinji, shrunk him, and put him in a bowl of water in the microwave and like put it on for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like boiling him in there. There's an image. Yeah. But um, we, but as we've seen in the past, he feels the impact of what's happening to the Ava. So he's feeling this impact, and it's clear at the, at that in that last shot that he's in some he's in distress for sure. Oh yeah, I imagine it's like I don't even know what that would feel like, like a flamethrower to the chest or something. I don't know. Axe in the 
I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it can't be pleasant. I can imagine. I can maybe the sense of being burned alive. I have no idea. <laughs> Not sure, but we will have to tune in next week to find out. Because again, like any good show, they leave you one more at the end. Mm-hmm. Got that cliffhanger, Shinji. <laughs> <laughs> Cut. And theme. (laughs) But yeah, so next episode, you can join us for uh, join us on next Friday for the next episode, which is episode six, uh, which is titled "Showdown in Tokyo 3 or Ray Two. Sounds awesome. And we want to thank all of our listeners, everybody that's uh, downloading, subscribing to us, giving us ratings and reviews. We appreciate all your feedback. Uh, We're also open to any suggestions that you have, things that you want us to talk about in the podcast, uh, platforms that that you uh, look into, anything that you have to give us. We are happy, happy to get it. So you can email us at fullimpactpodcast.com. I am your at gmail oh i'm sorry at gmail.com jeez i wonder who would answer you back if you sent it to that one (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) yeah right (laughs) full impact podcast at gmail.com and i am your host allison yeah i'm also i'm a host too i'm the (laughs) other one the less cool one nick (laughs) not at all the leader of the pack so yeah Until next time. Until next time.